Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Genesis 22. Uh, Genesis 22. We're going to be focusing there on the first uh, 19 verses of Genesis chapter 22 this morning. And um, if uh, you'll give me just a moment as you're opening up there, I want to just say a word about Christmas. And uh, this is one of those things um, that in March... We did not think that we would still be thinking about a lot of these things at Christmas. And yet here we are. And so I want you to know that your staff and the leadership here at the church has prayed and thought through uh, the best way to handle two particular Christmas uh, services. Uh, The first is our choir musical, which we will indeed have. And yet because of the size of our choir, praise be to God, and because of the size of our orchestra, it's going to just limit the number of people who can be here. And we anticipate uh, that the number of people we would normally have here for this would exceed uh, the amount of space here in the church. And so because of that, we're going to be giving out tickets. Now, they won't, you won't have to pay for them. In fact, don't try to pay for them. Uh, if you don't mind, that would really help. And uh, no bribes or anything like that. Uh, but we're going to be giving out tickets for that through a randomized selection process. Now, that's Baptist for the word lottery. And so we're going to be doing a uh, randomized selection process for those tickets. You'll be able to apply for those. Just contact the church office and let us know. And you'll be getting details tomorrow in your email, and then we'll be mailing a letter as well, talking a little bit more about that. We will also that night, though, be live uh, everywhere we can be live, including on Comcast Channel 5. So we hope that you'll, as many people as can will still be able to participate. And anyone's welcome to apply for those tickets as well. You don't have to be a member to apply. We've, we just felt like that would be the fairest way uh, for us to be able to give out opportunities for people to come uh, to church that night and worship. Now listen, I want you to know, if you don't like the way this is being done, if you'll get with me right after the service, I'll give you Larry Furman's cell phone number. He is our uh, deacon chairman. He's right up there. There it is. He's got it ready. And uh, he said, uh, he said, no, I'm kidding. We know. Everyone understands. We're doing our best right now, right? And uh, doing our best. The second thing is Christmas Eve. We will not be doing randomized selection for Christmas Eve. It's going to be a little easier that night. We plan to do two services that evening. So as of right now, our plan is to, to do two services that night. And uh, we look forward uh, to those uh, services that evening. Uh, and so we're excited about the opportunity uh, to have that. And you'll be getting the details on that, uh, like I said, this week. So uh, we, we plan to, to do things the best we can with the space we have uh, here at Christmas. So thank you for your patience through this whole year. And uh, I know it won't end at Christmas. It's going to get better at Christmas, right? And so thank you for your love and patience as we think through those things. I I know many of you have already started thinking about Christmas. You can't help but think about Christmas, right? And uh, and so uh, we're looking forward to seeing how the Lord will glorify Himself uh, during the Christmas season here at First Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you stand with, with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Moses writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. 
And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now let's skip down to verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, would you open our hearts and minds today, Father, to receive your word. And God, we pray that we would be changed by the power of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't like, when I'm reading the Bible, I don't like to skip chapters. You know, you're sitting down to read the Bible, sometimes you might be tempted to say, I'm just going to skip over this part, I don't really like it. But we can't, can't skip things in the Bible that we don't like. Now, I especially don't like to skip chapters or skip stories when I'm reading the Bible to my kids, because I want to teach my children that all of God's Word matters. Yet this is a story they always want to skip. Well, one time we were reading in the Jesus Storybook Bible, and uh, we read this um, chapter, and um, we got done reading it, and they all looked white as a ghost. And Watsy, being the, the, the one who likes to ask questions on behalf of the group, says, Dad, you don't think God will ever ask anyone to do this again, do you? And I said, well, now that you mention it, sweetheart, I really need to talk to you. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. Next night, though, I said, all right, guys, y'all ready? Let's everybody read their Bible. And they said, we're ready to read the Bible, but as long as we don't read that story again. They didn't like it. It bothers them. And many of you, right, many of you in the very room right now, you've heard this story a hundred times, but you kind of like to skip it if you can. It's uncomfortable for us, and it should be at so many levels. It's baffling. It's baffling to my kids. It's baffling to many of us. God's ways don't always make sense to us. And yet, this is God's Word, and I would say one of the most important stories in the book of Genesis we're looking at this morning, the binding of Isaac. I want to show you today three truths that I think are going to help you trust God when it's not easy to trust God. 
right? Three truths I think will help you trust the Lord when it's not easy to trust the Lord. Three truths that I think can help you cling to the Lord in difficult times. Now, we all find ourselves in challenges and trials, and yet it's hard to find ourselves in a more challenging situation than that which Abraham was in. And so this morning, I think we can look to this story to learn something about how to have our faith in Christ grow. Three truths this morning. Here's the first. I want to impress upon you that you should trust God when He doesn't make sense. Trust God when He doesn't make sense. Now, God doesn't always make sense, does He? God's ways don't always make sense to us. Now, the reality is, I think we've got to recognize, especially those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who are Christians, those of us who believe in God, you don't want a God that you've got all figured out. You might think you do. You might, you might think you want a God whose ways make sense at face value every single time. But I like the thought, and I'm comforted by the reality, that sometimes God does things that I don't understand. Because there's wisdom sometimes. If you do things the way you understand them every time, how often are you wrong? Wrong a lot, aren't you? Think about this. Think about the journey that Abraham and Sarah have been on so far. Childless, late into life. Called, called out of the land that they're from and called to follow God into a land that He will show them. Wrestling with whether or not God will provide. There are fits and starts all along the journey as we've looked at them so far where sometimes it seems like they're stumbling in their faith. Sometimes it seems like they're struggling in their faith. Doubts, even, we see as to whether God will keep His promises. Abraham wrestling, wrestling with the Lord's justice against Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet here we see that God is testing Abraham. Now the author of Genesis, I believe it's Moses, gives us a little help here as a reader. Not a lot of help. He doesn't make it a lot easier, but a little easier, right? You know how? How? You know what he does to kind of help us? He doesn't seem to give this to Abraham. He just gives it to us. What does he say? After these things, God tested Abraham. Now, how nice would it be sometimes, looking back in hindsight, when the Lord was putting you through a difficulty, when you were struggling, how nice would it have been to have had an editorial note at the beginning of the season? Now, the Lord is testing you during this time would have changed things for us. Certainly it would have changed things for Abraham. And it certainly helps us as we read the story that we see that this is the Lord testing Abraham. We have a clue here at the very beginning that, that God is not going to lead Abraham all the way to destruction here, that the Lord is at work. And so God tests him. He says to him, Abraham. Abraham says, here I am. In verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac. And certainly there's Ishmael, but he's been expelled from the home after coming of age by this point. And so it is just Isaac. Take your son, your only son Isaac. And as if he needed a reminder, whom you love. Isaac's not just a vessel for the promises of God. He's Abraham's son. His only son, whom he loves. 
It's clear to me as you read this passage, Abraham's a man of love because of the way he loved Ishmael and the way he pled before the Lord on behalf of Ishmael. God tests him. Your son, your only son, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What does Abraham do? Gets up early, saddles his donkey, takes two men to help him. He takes his son Isaac. You see the sort of simplicity with which the, the, the bare language that the Bible uses and the way it feels like the story's being drawn out. As you read this paragraph, at some point or another, I look at it and I say, can we just get on with it? And yet that's not what Moses does. Works through the details. Middle of verse 3, And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And there on the road for three days, Abraham ponders what's about to happen. And he sees his eyes and he sees the place from afar. And then Abraham says to the young men, Stay here with this donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. If you read it in the original languages, it's clear. And he says, And we will come again to you. Abraham obeys, and he obeys simply. And he begins to go to the mountain which the Lord has designated. And here we are left to wonder what will happen. We're perplexed by it. Why would God do such a thing? Why would God test Abraham in this way? Even Isaac is perplexed by what's going on. Lord, my father, we have all the things we need. Where's the lamb? My friends, so often the ways of God don't make sense to us. Just don't always make sense. I, I can tell you, even as a pastor, don't think for a moment that there aren't days when I think, Lord, why, why this way? Why do things this way? There are some of you here in this room who struggle not only with things in your own life, but just in the big picture with the presence of evil and suffering in the world. Why, God, why allow things to be this way? Lord, I'm perplexed by you. I have conversations regularly with people. I had one recently with a brother who talked about how one time someone said to him, if you, if you would only seek the Lord, I think you would find him. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, it broke my heart because they assumed I hadn't been seeking him. Now think about that. There are people, maybe even right now, within earshot of me, who are struggling. They're seeking the Lord, and yet they're perplexed by it. They're troubled by His ways. They're troubled by evil and suffering in the world. New York City Presbyterian pastor Tim Keller said this in one of his books. If you have a God who's great and transcendent enough to be mad at because He hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have good reasons to allow it to continue that you can't know. You can't have it both ways. Now think about this for a moment. Do we trust God when He doesn't make sense? Do, do we trust God enough to say, Lord, if you're strong enough to do something about this, then you must be strong enough to know something I don't know. 
And I hope that's where you'll find yourself today. I I hope you'll ruminate on this idea that perhaps God is at work in ways that you can't fathom, that you can't understand. God does move in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. Just because God confuses you doesn't mean that God is not good or that God does not love you or that God is not who he says he is. Here Abraham is hearing things he cannot fathom from his God and yet he doesn't have the little caveat that we have to know that he's being tested and yet he trusts the Lord. His ways are not our ways. And I press upon you today to trust God when he doesn't make sense. Second of all, I want to trust and and encourage you to trust God when it hurts. Trust God when it hurts. Some of you may be hurting right now in ways we can't see. Some of you may have sick loved ones. Some of you may be sick yourselves. Some of you may be struggling in different ways, just in ways I can't see, ways I can't understand. Some of you may say, preacher, that's all well and good. It's all well and good to talk about evil in a big picture or not understanding God. And I'm sure that's all true, and I certainly want to believe it. But I can't see past my pain. I can't see past the hurt. As I mentioned, I really think Moses uses a technique here by walking us slowly through the process. By letting the narrative move slowly. I really think he's intentionally wanting us to think for ourselves about Abraham's inner turmoil. It's there just beneath the surface in all these things. He wants us to marinate on it. And you see this at the beginning of chapter 21, this great vignette of joy when Isaac is born, when God's promises are finally answered, when this boy named Laughter, this beacon of joy, lights up the lives of his parents. This harbinger of hope has come into the world not only for Abraham, but the Bible tells us that he's a picture of hope for the whole world because through this descendant, the Bible says, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. Abraham is being called to snuff the laughter out. To turn the joy to mourning. And as he chops wood and prepares for the journey, we feel the building weight of gloom looming over Abraham and all of us. Your son your only son, whom you love, offer him where I tell you as a burnt sacrifice. I want you to know something this morning. God does not spare pain for his choicest servants. Those who we could name, who we would say from our perspective, are the most loved and cherished of God. Great saints of the faith, great examples, those whom the Lord bestowed such clear favor. He does not spare them pain and difficulty. It's a great lie of the devil that leads God's people to think that when they're hurt, when they're struggling, when they're suffering, when they're going through the worst this world has to offer, it's a great lie of the devil that he wants to whisper in your ear in that moment. Don't you see? He doesn't really love you like a son. 
Don't you see? That's not how he would treat his children. If this is what being part of his family looks like, I think I might find a new one. Is what your heart tells you on your deepest and darkest days. And yet, like Abraham, you keep going, trusting that perhaps the Lord has something else on the other side. But brothers and sisters, it's not a question. It's not a worry. It's, It's not a concern for the Lord. He knows. He's got you. He keeps you. You must trust God when it hurts, when you are hurting, when you are struggling, when you are suffering, when you are going through the worst days of your life, don't think for a moment that that means that God has let you go, for He will no no sooner let you go than He would let go of His very own Son. And don't you see how He treated His Son, the suffering servant? And don't you see how He treated Abraham? Though He tested His faith, nonetheless, God was faithful. How can you know that God was faithful to Abraham? Well, you're sitting here right now, aren't you? And this message that in seed form was given to Abraham so many thousands of years ago has grown into the beautiful gospel that you hear today. Don't believe the lie that when you hurt, it means God doesn't love you. So often the greatest sign of God's presence is the testing and chastisement that He gives his people. I see disobedient children all the time. All the time. They're not here. Don't panic, parents. But all the time, I'll, you know, if we're out and about or whatever else, I'll see a child doing something I would not allow my child to do. And yet there's only three kids in the world that I get on to. And it's the three I love the most. Right? Only three children in the world that I, that I discipline. And it's those I love the most. Don't think for a moment that when you hurt, it means that God doesn't love you anymore. Nothing could be further from the truth. And I want that to lead us to our last point this morning. How can we know? How can we look past the hurt? How can we look past the confusion? How can we look past not knowing? Pastor, how can I have eyes of faith to trust God? I want you finally to trust God in His gracious provision. God, by His grace provides. Something strikes me about this story. It's fascinating to me. I I, I can't get around it. I can't get over it. Have you noticed how frequently Abraham asks the Lord's question? How sometimes Abraham will challenge the Lord? Far be it from you to not be good. And yet here in this passage, do you see the way Abraham is silent. He doesn't speak back to the Lord. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't ask for clarification. He does what God asks him to do. God has promised that through Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed, that God's promises will find their fulfillment ultimately through the progeny and through the lineage of Isaac. He's he's promised this. And Abraham, after he's been told to go burn his son to death on the mountain, says to these gentlemen in verse 5, I and the boy will return. 
When Isaac is perplexed as to where the lamb is, what does Abraham say in verse 8? God will provide himself for himself the lamb, my son. What is Abraham thinking? How is he trusting? What is he believing? Later on, in later days, the Holy Spirit inspired the author of Hebrews to tell us Abraham's story of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 to 18, 19, and 20. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He knows the story, doesn't he? He understands. Do you feel the tension? Do you feel the tension in the text? Do you feel the way that it feels like all of God's promises are about to be lost, like sin will have the final say? It feels like the day is done. Perhaps Abraham had to think this God is not all that he said he was. But the author of Hebrews tells us that that's not the case. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. With every step up the mountain in Moriah, Abraham was one step closer to the death of his son. And Abraham had two inexorable truths that he had to deal with on that day. One is that he serves a God who has made promises and keeps his promises. And the other truth is that death has the final say, and it always has, and it always will. And as Abraham walked up that mountain prepared to sacrifice his son, the thought that emerged in his mind is that he serves a God who is able to keep his promises on the other side of the grave, that he is able even to raise his son from the dead. And as Abraham saw the promises pushed hard and fast against the wall of death, the scripture teaches us that Abraham believed that God keeps his promises and he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead even to the point that he told those men they would be back. This is gospel hope. This is gospel hope. This is what you believe when you believe God's promises. You believe you serve a God who no matter how bad things get is able to raise you up on the last day. And then what does God do? God provides the sacrifice. There's a ram in the thicket and God provides the lamb for himself by which he is able to sacrifice to the Lord. And through that ram in the thicket, Abraham received his son back, the Bible says, figuratively, from the dead. And so you see a little mini picture of the gospel on a mountain probably quite near, if not in, what would one day be Jerusalem. 
And this is why we hope. This is why we believe. Because on our darkest day, God has provided the sacrifice. And rather than a ram in a thicket, God has provided for us His Son, His only Son, whom He loves, to die the death that we deserve. When God doesn't make sense, He's able nonetheless, and we trust that we serve a God who provides. When you are hurting, when you are in pain, when you are suffering, when you are depressed, God provides. God is able. He is able no matter what. And on our darkest and most difficult days, God is able. He is good and He is loving and He means well for His people no matter what. And when our circumstances seem impossible, when it seems like death is the best possible scenario, when trusting God is so hard, when the worst seems so likely, not only likely but probable, when it feels almost guaranteed that the worst possible thing can happen, we trust Him anyway. Because we serve a God who is able, who is capable, who is strong. A God who provides. And we serve a God who, on the darkest day in the history of the world, when His Son's body lay cold and dead in a nondescript hole outside Jerusalem. God was able to raise him from the dead. Now you look to this God today and you're pressed down, you're troubled, you're tired, you're struggling, And you say, I don't know how it can get any worse, and I sure don't know how it can get any better. Today, I want you to look to this God who keeps His promises, and I want you to imagine what your life is going to look like not a year from now, not ten years from now, but when your memory is long gone from this world, a trillion years from now, where will you be? You will be in the presence of your God. And no matter how bad things get, I want you to look to Him and remember, He is able even to raise you from the dead. This morning, you may need the Lord more than you ever have. You may have never put your trust in Him for the first time. Today, my hope and my prayer is that you would put your faith and trust in Him. If you need someone to talk with after this service, I'm here for you, but you put your faith in Jesus. I believe if you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Christ, you will be saved. You take some time this morning to respond to the Lord. Second of all, you may be a believer already. You may say, I just need, I need a little extra trust. You take this time to trust the Lord more, to pray to Him. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you after this service is over about what it means for you to be a member here at the First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to do business with the Lord right where you are.
pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together with your people. And Lord, we pray that you would move among us today. After this prayer, Lord, I pray that you would move in the hearts of those who are here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.